Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. All right, welcome back to Make Them Famous, the podcast you listen to to hear what's going on in partnerships today, what the best teams on the planet are doing to effectively find, align, and grow with their partners. Now, part of that is working with other departments. When partner managers attempt to work with the growth team specifically, a lot of friction ensues. It can often be an uphill battle and an uphill battle for both sides, not just the partnership team, but once the growth team tries to work with the partnership team, there's a lack of alignment, there's a lack of understanding of the other department's objectives, processes, tribulations, they just don't understand each other. And especially in my experience coming from leading growth teams, leading marketing teams, I did find it very frustrating when another department would come in and need a campaign created and not understand what it really entails. It's a it's a problem. And many times it fails. In this episode, what we wanted to do is find two people to help us understand how to overcome those roadblocks and work effectively with your growth teams. Uh, to help us understand this, I found two individuals who know more about that than anyone on the planet. I have recruited someone named Mason Crosby, who's founder of Scrappy ABM, and he brought with him one of his former partners, uh, mentors, and um, someone that I've worked with named Gori Chala, who has led partnership teams for some of the best companies on the planet. And she is here to lend that insight and how she's worked with growth people like Mason, growth experts like Mason, and growth teams with success. To help us understand, we are going to talk about the biggest reasons partner teams struggle with their growth teams, how partner teams can avoid these pitfalls of working with their growth teams, the ways they can go rogue and start building pipeline without losing their job, I think is an important thing for partner leaders to understand. You don't have to go through all the processes of pitching and campaign creation. Sometimes you just have to get stuff done. Go rogue. Uh, as usual, we do have a couple sponsors and a sponsor reads that we'd love for you to listen to to help you manage and grow your program. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors. Reveal has been sponsored this podcast since the very beginning. They've been wonderful. Reveal is your nearbound companion. Reveal allows you to not only map accounts, but get direct insight into sales motions, what's going on with your partners, who is dealing with what customers at what time. Nearbound, you may have heard of, you may have been to the conference, you may have met with companies inside of Reveal. It is the idea 
that you are going to work together to get into accounts, to get bigger deals, to get stickier users, to get stickier clients and um, grow faster together. That is the concept of nearbound. Other terms for it, you may have heard co-selling, ecosystem-led, partner-led, account mapping is the essence of it. Who do I have that you also have? Who do we not have that the other person has and the other company has? And who knows who at what organizations to help us get closer to those companies. That is the essence of Nearbound. That is what we will use Nearbound to achieve. Top companies like you see here in the directory are all using Reveal to get closer and closer to the deals in play and to get more out of their partnerships. That is Reveal. Go to reveal.co and check it out. There is a free account so you can sign up today. Our next sponsor is partnerhub.app. It is the platform where you can find, align, and manage the partnerships that you are working closely with, those third-party B2B organizations. Who inside the organization are you doing what with right now? Who would you like to partner with? And what would you like to do with those entities? That is what PartnerHub is all about. The main differentiator between PartnerHub and your typical PRMs is that Partner Hub is built first and foremost as a marketplace and as a tool for solutions providers so that they can take the reins, so that they can control and operate their own partnerships with third-party entities like their tech partners, like other agencies. And when the agencies, when the solutions providers are in the driving seat of the partnership, you'll find that activation, enablement, all of those great keywords, all of those great OKRs that your program needs to succeed will all be lifted. So again, Partner Hub is a great place if you're looking for agencies in Shopify, Salesforce, HubSpot ecosystems, top agencies like the number one HubSpot agency on the planet, Avidly, are in Partner Hub. Top Shopify agencies like the Stable are in Partner Hub. These are the great users that Partner Hub is thankful and proud to have. And the benefit that these users are getting out of Partner Hub is, again, making sure that they know exactly what partners that they are doing what with right now. Uh, There are tools like a syndication process for live offers to recruit more pop more partners, sorry, uh, directory products. So you can showcase your partners on a subdomain of your choice and draw leads for your partners, actively bring your partner's business using a gorgeous mobile-friendly partner directory and tons of partner management features as well. Everything you need in one place, that is what Partner Hub is all about. Run your program effectively. All right, that is all, and we'll see you guys in the episode. I'll say my name again, Gory Chavla, and uh, I have been in the partner world my entire career, You know, starting off as a consultant, but always working with partners to deliver to customers. And then I, I went into partner management, and I worked for the big guys like PwC and Accenture and IBM and um, Oracle, Marketo, and, uh, you know, going down into smaller startups and scale-ups, I started creating um, ecosystems 
from scratch to drive like global pipeline and sourced revenue. And it's been a great ride um, to the point where last year at my last company, which was in River, I ran our global partner team that drove 45% of the sourced revenue for the company, which then um, was a big factor in it getting going through a transaction. Um, and I've taken a little time off, but I've been doing a lot of uh, advising and helping um, speaking. That's how I also met Mason. And, uh, you know, partnerships is my bread and butter, but it's something that I have a real passion for. So I help a lot of, and I, I angel invest too in some startups, but I advise a lot of companies because it's getting more and more exposure these days. Um, this is a good example, right, of, uh, of people wanting to talk about partnerships. And I think that with my experience in the tech ecosystem, dealing with the big guys, but also regionally and creating these ecosystems, um, I'm just here to help people navigate through and really figure out as everything is changing, how to make partnerships much more effective and what do you actually need to do for them to deliver? I love it. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but first, Mason, we brought you to the show because uh, not only have you been in the world of the agency and working with the partners of the agency, you've been in community and um, you've been working with tech companies as partners as well as other agencies. So great voice for this. And you and Gory know each other, which is awesome. Uh, so give us the uh, who you are, what do you do now, and a little bit about your current partners. Yeah, so I, one, as Gary said, thank you for, for having us. Uh, I am the founder for a boutique agency called Scrappy ABM, and our whole goal is to help organizations build account-based marketing programs without the $200,000 tech stack. So very scrappy in its nature, and one of the best plays to actually build a true ABM program without the massive tech stack is really through partnerships and uh, creating a better together story. Uh, and really what I love about the partnership opportunity specifically for marketers is I have a specific skill set. Uh, one of my partners may have a marketing team that has a very different skill set, but we can come together for specific programs and campaigns and leverage each other's skill sets to then create better programs that drive revenue for both of us. So those are some things that I'm already currently doing both for a couple of clients as well as for Scrappy ABM itself. So a uh, prime example is a partnership with a company called Propensity that offers free third-party intent data and website de-anonymized traffic as a way to help you get started with an ABM program. So I love Propensity. Uh, I am currently also looking into much larger ways of partnering with uh, companies like Casted around how do you get account-based analytics for your podcast. And then lastly, uh, one of my new and favorite partnerships is called Listen Networks, which actually does account-based advertising with verified audience listens for podcasts. So uh, just some partnerships that are kind of helping to ensure that as you look to build your scrappy ABM program, you're getting from the right audience with the right message at the right time without spending again, the $200,000 on the tech stack, you can do it for free or for less than $1,000 a month. I love it. Yeah. I just had an article on our newsletter about how partnership teams can run their program on a $0 budget. I think that is definitely another another episode, but um, that's something I'm a big proponent of is 
democratizing the tech stack. You don't need bloated software to run a program. It's very, uh, I think partnerships in general is coming back around to where it's, okay, we tried to scale partnerships. We all fell on our face. Now let's go back to the uh, grassroots of of growth and uh, and do things that don't scale and work individually, get that stuff done and then go to the next. And maybe you only have 20 partners in a quarter that you're really going to market with and, and you just do a very solid job with each of them. Um, Gore, let's talk about um, the main topic of conversation here and we'll see where this takes us. But um, uh, I, I read a lot of, um, you know, I'm sad partnership posts on LinkedIn and I don't get what I deserve posts on LinkedIn from partner leaders and uh, partnerships in general doesn't get what it deserves. And then I get on calls with these people and I hear the things that they are bringing to their CROs and their, their CMOs. And, and uh, I get it. I, I get why they kind of get cornered and uh, or at least pushed into a corner of the organization in a lot of cases, not every case. Um, and it does have a lot to do with how they're approaching working with those other departments. I want to focus more on marketing, but I, I think the general question to you is, what are the biggest reasons partner teams struggle to work with? You can talk about a specific department like marketing, or you can talk about in general working with other departments, up to you. Well, I think like if I take it kind of bigger level from an organization perspective, um, partnerships is critical. That's the way everything is going, whether that be in SaaS, uh, tech SaaS, or even in other industries. I also think that partnership people and teams have to own it, right? Like you are a part of the business. And if you can, one, have the right attitude to take ownership of what you're doing and how you're doing it and run it like it's your own little business with a business plan, with goals. Who are you going to focus on? Who are the partners that are going to drive the most? What kind of enablement do you have to do? Then, and you start showing results. The rest of the company and the other departments should be taking notice. So for example, in my last company, that's what I did. I started out on the um, consulting side of the consulting partners and very quickly expanded that to technology partners. And how do you bring the two together to drive more revenue? But if, in order to do that, how do you enable them? What kind of messaging do you want for them? And how, like, what kind of training do you need? So you got to pull in product marketing. You got to pull in services. And then these partners were actually sourcing deals and they were doing it better than marketing was doing it because marketing was sending out messages that weren't very crisp and clear. Marketing hadn't spent the time to sit down with our partners to say, what's the real value proposition in the ICP for this partner that we're trying to go after? And I think marketing had the wrong expectation that, oh, we're going to put on events. So a partner should bring X amount of um, customers to this and they're not doing it. So there was all this tension. And I took a step back and I said, hold on, partners can drive all this, but they're going to need your support. And by the way, they can make you successful. So I got a partner marketing resource dedicated. And with that, they were she was our um, liaison into the marketing team, corporate and regionally field marketing. And we put together a plan, but we also set the right expectations. And by the end of this, I had a seat at the table. So I was on the executive team. 
my team globally was basically running all the messaging. Um, and we were a small team and, you know, Mason, not to steal your thunder, but we were very scrappy, right? We were a small but mighty team, but we took ownership and we delivered results and nobody could actually ignore that. And so then we became the middle of the organization, but it wasn't from complaining and expecting and taking a back seat. It was, we led, we led and it wasn't easy and we did it very much on a shoestring budget, but we also ended up driving the majority of the revenue that even the AEs were dependent on us. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I, yeah, let's talk about the word scrappy and partnerships. Uh, give Mason some further branding of his new agency here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, you mentioned that important aspect. I think partnership teams will uh, they'll be well. Let's start at the genesis, and then Mason. I want your opinion on what Gore said, and and how we can kind of help partnership teams maybe do something a little more scrappy and a little less budget restrictive, right? I think is the main thing. So they'll they'll come from another department, like a sales role, or maybe a marketing or a CS role. I don't know, um, but uh, in in larger orgs, especially, they're used to having these budgets and they're used to having this sort of bloated system that is uh, a 10 year long marketing system or a 10 year long sales system that's been iterated on. And it's this thing, right? Partnerships is this brand new department and they, they have that mentality of, Oh, I've got to put together this deck and get all these team leads together. And then I have to ask for 400 K in budget this year. And then um, I'm going to need like a whole category on the blog. I'm going to need product to give me this partner directory. And that needs to go over here. And uh, by the end of that, I think if they do get the okay, then they're on the hook, the noose essentially for a lot, not just the budget that they asked for, um, but the team underneath them. And um, they have to 10X ROI within the first three to six months. And pipeline needs to be there almost immediately or else they start getting closer to the chopping block. And I think being scrappy and doing things a little bit more like, hey, let me just plow through. Let me just get some stuff done instead of going and asking for a whole bunch of stuff and then complaining about it on LinkedIn if I don't get that stuff. Um, but what is your experience and all that? Draw from anything you want. And, um, and, and you can even be more general if you would like about the advice you'd give to teams that are in that situation where they're just doing things a little too bloated in, in a way. Uh, Mason, that's you. Okay. Um, the only thing that I want to add just based on what Gary said is the, I think the explanation of essentially partners actually having a business plan is I don't think something I've heard other people talk about. So again, if you think about partnerships, Gary referenced in that executive leadership, sales, marketing, and essentially also account management of those partner relationships. Like it is its own department. And I think honestly, as we think about people and why they are necessarily potentially complaining about the lack of resources is I don't think a lot of executives recognize that. Like partner programs are actually four departments built into one. It's just, so it, it needs its own team in order to be done really effectively. So again, I love the call out of like having a business plan as far as getting scrappy, because a lot of organizations will, Gary even talked about it of like, we had a small team, I inevitably, or she inevitably got a partner marketing resource, but she didn't start with partner marketing. So she probably had to have shared resources. She probably didn't have dedicated sellers for her, for her partner channel. 
So again, in recognizing that, how do you get a little bit scrappy with it? And we were talking about this before we hit record, but I'm in the process of building a specific package for one of my partners that is entirely focused on, they have customers that are churning and they, within their internal organization, do not have the resources and capabilities to solve the reason customers are churning. It's a technology that isn't, uh, that if not used appropriately, obviously doesn't have the appropriate impact. So we are working collectively together to sell in my services directly to their customer base at a very reasonable value that will then help them activate on the data that is within their existing CRM. So again, I'll give a quick, uh, some NDAs are signed, so I can't necessarily share all of the information, but at a super high level, a technology is capturing data and information that can then be used as an intent-based trigger to send sales outbound. Almost none of the people using the technology are actually doing the intent-based outbound because they don't know how. Scrappy ABM, that is a core service offering for us. So essentially we have created a dedicated package that has templatized messaging, templatized um, sequences and steps and calls and everything that you would need for an outbound sequence. And then we can just come in and say, hey, in two weeks, we can turn this around and build this play for you. So you can actually use all the data you've captured over the past nine months to convert some of this into revenue. What that partnership has now done is one, especially as an early stage organization, Scrappy ABM now has direct access exclusively for a specific play that we can run over and over and over again to their customer base and it's exclusive access. So again, that's going to help my revenue numbers for the partner. It's going to significantly help them with lifetime value because they are now able to unlock a very significant portion of their product that their customers aren't using. And for their customers, they're going to get additional revenue because they already have the data in their system. They just haven't used it appropriately. So again, through this approach, which should be clear, it's a couple of conversations. There is no tech stack needed. We're probably going to throw up a landing page that'll take me two hours to put together in a HubSpot instance. So I already have the tools. That's the tech. And then their CSMs are going to send this landing page directly to their customer base and say, hey, we have this new service offering. Would you be interested in using this? We'd be happy to get you scheduled. And again, it's at a very reasonable price point. What that also does for me personally, as an organization, it's a land and expand approach. So I now have a specific offer where I get in and I can expand that customer relationship within that customer base. Again, what was required from an investment perspective, literally an hour and a half of phone calls and a landing page. And I'm going to build the outbound sequencing for the partner so that all they have to do is press go. It's it's that simple when you really get down to what's the problem that I can solve for one of my partners that helps them help me help their customer. Love it. Yeah. Pipeline, pipeline. Yori, uh, let's talk about a little bit about that. So feel free to comment on um, what Mason just recommended and said. And then the question is, um, on the idea of of going, call it going rogue, where you know you, you know you have to generate pipeline, and you know if you enter these conversations in the wrong way, it's going to be a month of meetings and budget constraints and lack of um, lack of support from other teams, and you know you at the end of the day you just you have to push through and you just have to get 
pipeline done. You have to get some stuff done. So the question would be, how can ways, just ways that you've seen a partner person in, in their role by themselves, more or less, do things that do result in pipeline without having to pull anyone else into that conversation, but comment on Mason first. And then let's talk about that. So I think, uh, and you might have to remind me of the question again after I ramble on about what Mason just said, but um, I think what Mason said as he was talking, I was thinking about what I've always thought about in terms of, and the reason why Mason and I kind of became buddies, right. When I reached out to him and I said, you know, what you have is really interesting. And if I look at what I did at my previous companies and the role of marketing, which, you know, it's not marketing's fault, but they're just like, they have different metrics and they run things differently, but they don't fully take the time and everybody's running super hard within an organization, right? But there's no shared metrics. And if we actually took a step back and looked at how can you actually create demand with partners? If you do this right, I think like if you took a piece of what Mason is doing and you applied that ABM piece onto partner marketing, that would create demand that my team actually did, but they they kind of did it themselves. But if you actually brought the two teams together and you had a very targeted ABM around partner marketing, you could drive the majority of an organization's pipeline. And I say that with a lot of conviction and confidence because I've, I've we've done it in a roundabout way. And I think it would work for a scale up as well as a very large enterprise company as well. To what your question was, you know, I had people on my team who were amazing and they they know who they are, who we as a team came together and really figured out, okay, we over time have to get buy-in from the organization. You have to, you know, you have to have a unified way as a company to work together. And every SaaS company has its, its issues, right? In terms of sales and marketing, et cetera. But we also had numbers to hit. So how do you hit those numbers? Well, We put in a plan to make sure that regionally each person had the capacity uh, to focus on a small number of partners who drove the majority of the revenue in their region, because you can't do everything and you can't be everything to everybody. And so we actually categorized how what we defined as the top partners, partners we wanted to nurture and grow, and then kind of the long tail that, you know, we would not spend a lot of time on, there would be self-service. Um, but somehow we would get enablement. But then it was on those strategic partners. And when I say strategic, I'm not talking about large partners. I'm talking about partners who drive the most. Then you get into the nitty gritty, right? You use some other tech um, to help do account mapping. Like I talked about, every one of my people had to have a business plan that really hit on what's the solution together What's the value proposition together? Who are we targeting in terms of specific industries, size of company? Um, Who internally at the partner organization do we need to actually go go figure out and spend time with? Um, And what's that going to look like? What are the targets that we want to hit together, right? And then it came into the account mapping. And then how do you run certain events or other types of marketing that my team took on themselves, right? They did get a little support from marketing, but 
that's how we did it. And we just started to snowball that. Um, and we took that across the globe. We also took it to the likes of SAP and Salesforce and can uh, slightly different, but basically the foundation ran kind of the same playbook. And that resulted in, to me, I and because I'm a partner person, I don't really understand SQLs and MQLs. But for me, there was also... Um, the like if you mirror the sales qualification we use that to get to qualified opportunities and that's when we started to engage aes and we would start that co-sell motion so it's a lot of work for one person um i think that there should be a lot more um you know support for for that kind of motion because it really does result in revenue but that was the ownership we took and after we started doing that we started to get resources we started to get more marketing um but we still at the end of the day regardless of the resources we got and the funding we got we still had that as our basic way of working and it worked I love it. I love it. And this uh, makes me, yeah, makes me excited to think about ways that, um, again, you can, you can kind of uh, break down the door, be the first out there, kind of lead a little bit of a charge to then prove that partnerships is, is um, something that the team should invest in. Um, a quick anecdote. Um, I was launching this platform called uh, carlease.com. I like five years ago. Uh, I had almost zero budget. It was a couple million dollar raise, maybe 5 million or something like that. But marketing, we didn't, we didn't see a lot out of that. Um, so I had launched this product in a, a sector that I had zero thought leadership in. I didn't know anything about car leasing other than I'd leased a car before. I wasn't a thought leader. So what I immediately did is I rounded up a bunch of thought leaders in the market and got them to um, participate in this this what's wrong or why lease versus buy uh, video promotion. Um, I got their teams involved. Uh, I was able to reward them simply with um, the the PR that we were going to come out with, and then um, a coupon code for anyone that they want for our platform, and um, that was enough. And get them into this campaign, and then I would ask them, hey, if you want if you're actually going after any companies that you want for your own stuff that you're selling, give me the list of companies that you're wanting to see your face more often. And the video was well produced. We had a film crew and do the whole thing. And it was really awesome. Just agnostic. It wasn't about carlease.com. It wasn't about us. It was about the pain point of the industry. So you're taking like an agnostic affinity keyword and maybe even a sentence that the whole industry has the same pain around bringing the thought leaders underneath that. The thought leaders have their own agenda, inviting them to help boost their own agenda by getting those accounts, um, building that full list. And then we marketed that video to the full list of everybody's combined accounts. And um, their combined accounts just happened to be ICPs of ours as well. So it was just a very much win, win, win. It cost me, I think $2,500 total and um, they still, I think, to this day, use that video in their promotions. And it was it was just a huge success for us. Something along those lines, Mason. Let's talk about just ways that teams can, yeah, get get scrappy with 
there's one partnership person they need to do a lot anything come to mind that you can pull from your experience maybe from sales assembly you probably didn't have a whole big budget to deal with you probably had to do a lot i'm sure partnerships yeah. were a big part of that role but let's go into that and your experience yeah i mean i think specifically as you look at a lot of marketing teams have had budgets cut and team headcount cut so if you can uh i, I think marketing I mean, marketing obviously needs to partner well with sales, but I think the partnership that's not talked about enough internally is the partnership between marketing and partners, because partners can be the intersection of, again, industry adjacent um, services and products that are the same ICP. So again, I just think about uh, from previous agency experience, we had three dedicated partners and we made it intentional uh that every single quarter we would do at least one partner focused webinar. And essentially the concept there is they provided the content. We helped with the promotion. We hosted everything. It was on our website. So they got the featured thought leadership. We got great content, uh, but they also helped promote it. And then after the whole event was over, we would compare and see who actually attended live and who was a customer of each of us. And let's think through based on people that had just showed up to this thing that just experienced content that just learned something new. How do we make interest for one another so that we can start to source some immediate meetings? Again, most of that you probably already have in-house. You're not buying new technology. It's literally like, do you have a Zoom webinar license? Can you spin up a landing page? Do you have the foundational operations to capture data? That's it. And then again, conversations. So I think that's a great play of how do you best leverage partners? Because again, different skill sets. So to take this even further, let's say hypothetically, one team has got a video editor. You take the webinar, you chop it up, and now you've got social content that you can share. Maybe one team has an incredible content writer. You can then take the transcript and now create a blog. Like the opportunity to leverage each other's skill sets based on an initial content asset that also creates the opportunity to facilitate logical referrals and introductions. So not just random, but like, hey, it looks like you joined this this partner webinar. Didn't know if you were actually looking for a tool or a platform like this. If you learned anything, I'd love to tell you about our experience with this partner. And again, it's not, let me make the intro to, to partner. Let me help you and under, help you understand the value of this partnership. So again, that's very scrappy, very simple play that a lot of organizations could literally run in January. And it just doesn't take a lot of effort. Oh, I love it. Any thoughts on that, Gory? Anything come to mind about uh, what partnership teams can do that's just just by themselves without pulling any resources? Anything else that you haven't mentioned or we haven't mentioned? Yeah. Partnership teams should leverage AI. Because you know what? You've got a chance now to get research and content and things that you know usually your marketing team would give you but it's a chance for you to customize that without a lot of effort right and it helps to especially if you're partnering with another company like you have the ability to leverage ai in a way and apply it that doesn't cost you anything but actually can help drive partner marketing um and partner awareness and also understanding customers much better. So I think it's one of the critical tools for partnership teams to use in order to like one, 
not spend a lot of money, but to do things, you know, in a much more um, efficient way that will result in positive outcomes. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. So it's it's funny that you say the AI thing. I, I was just on a um, webinar with Hips Hip Cycle. Is that how you say that? Hip Cycle um, about AI and in in partnerships and um, what's going on now and where it's where it's headed. So I've yeah, check that out. I'll I'll maybe try to remember to put that in the notes. But it was a really interesting discussion. Um, the two others were from the sales side, and I was the only one from the partnership side. But we were debating on what should it be used for versus what could it be used for versus where it uh, backfires. I think cold out email was the big thing where it's backfiring for a lot of people. But anyways, another conversation, um, uh, another scrappy tactic, I think. And and you know probably a lot about this, Mason, is um, uh, co-marketing is can be split into a number of different um, strategies. Um, but one thing that partnership teams, I don't think are good enough at is the marketing side in general. Uh, they don't fully understand um, the KPIs and the workflow and the systems of marketing. Um, not enough partnership teams are pulled from marketing, I don't think, or at least just haven't been a good uh, growth marketer in their in their careers at all. So they struggle with just talking to someone like Mason about what their needs, how their needs fit into Mason's needs. Um, but I was talking to somebody at a pretty large tech firm the other day, and they're like, I'm running into walls with my marketing team. I can't get them down. I'm like, what are you asking them for? And they were literally asking for the marketing team to uh, create essentially it's a, another marketing agenda just for partnerships. And partnerships didn't have a, um, a marketing person to own that. So what they're really asking for is enough enough faith and buy-in and time and resources to work with an individual that has no idea what they're really doing with regards to marketing, which if I was the head of marketing, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, your campaign may hit my KPIs and yours, but what you're really asking me for is to work with you personally on a week to week basis and get what I need out of you in order to get this stuff done over here for my team and I don't trust you. And I don't think you have the chops to work with me on that stuff, right? And it would be the same thing if a marketing team person came to you and said, Gory, I want you to um, start doing all this partnership stuff to benefit this marketing campaign that I have over here. And I want you to work with me uh, weekly on it and um, get that done. You'd be like, yeah, you know, I know it's good for my org and I know I should say yes, but I don't want to work with you because you are just going to make my life very difficult and it's already difficult. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that maybe, and just try to have sort of an open discussion on, on how partner team, not partners, partner people and growth people can align on similar KPIs and, and similar functions and then just food for thought. I mean, instead of coming to the marketing team, like I need to create this brand new thing, maybe we go retroactive. And I know you need to refresh content in the blog. I've got a bunch of experts that would be willing to lend five minute videos that answer the questions to those blog posts. Just give me which blog posts that you want to refresh this month. Refresh means like you got to alter them, adjust the content, maybe add some content so they start ranking again. Um, give me those and give me the uh, freedom to go find an expert on that topic and get an interview from them. And I'll give you the MP4 file as soon as it's done. And I'll give you the 
title, the name, the backlink that they want. They want the backlink. And as long as you'll get that in, I'll go get do the work and get it done. And now you have some shared content and you can go and post that on social, tag the expert and get your brand in front of their audience. So that's just an idea. But Mason, um, is there any tips, advice, anything that you would tell a partnership person based on your experience of maybe that it's just clear they don't get your job? They don't get what you do. Um, anything uh, that you would advise the partnership peoples to do or not to do when talking to a growth marketer like yourself. I mean, yeah, you're, you're you're talking to an ABM and the main reason ABM fails is lack of sales and marketing alignment. So I spend most of my life trying to explain to sales what marketing is doing. So again, this is a very common uh, conversation at the core. Um, again, just the experience of sales and marketing, the, the KPIs are not aligned. So again, sales is looking week to week. And I don't know if you've ever been a seller and you start your Monday and you have zero meetings on the calendar. That was an awful feeling. Marketing does not experience that. Marketing is thinking quarter to quarter, year to year. So again, the time horizon for results is just different. So recognizing that there's going to be a different time horizon between marketing and sales. Oh, and guess what? It's probably going to be the same difference in a time horizon for partnerships. So again, partnerships, it may not be necessarily week to week, but partnerships is also thinking, how do I add value to my partners? Because I know the more value I add to them, the more value that they will add to me. So again, if we have nothing on the calendar this quarter for anything related to our partners, that's a stressful situation for a partner program. So again, looking at that from that perspective of, okay, I'm in a partnership role. Help. And again, I've 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 had an interesting experience whenever I've sat in a partnership seat because I've always also sat in a marketing seat at that point. So like I just kind of and as I built personal programs, factored in partnership because I recognize the value. But again, if you are completely separate in that capacity, partner people, what are your individual KPIs, Gary? I know that you've got great thoughts on what the KPIs should be, but then how does that align to what marketing's KPIs are? And again, marketing's KPIs are different across the organization. So again, if you have completely misaligned KPIs, and again, KPI is a key performance indicator, if those are misaligned, that's an executive challenge, which is why I'm thankful that there are organizations like InRiver that put Gari on an executive seat so that they can actually have those executive level conversations around how do we align our KPIs so that we can actually be on the same team as opposed to competing. So again, that's the core. Um, simple ways of actually functionally doing that. Marketing is generally measured um, on high level things like brand awareness and sourced pipeline and ideally uh, marketing sourced revenue. So again, if you're thinking about it from that perspective, partners, how do you frame things up in a way of by doing this partnership and doing this partner program, you get new access directly to an audience as a different channel that already has implicit trust because where it's going to be marketing towards a partner's customers and it's coming from that organization in the same way that when we market towards our customers, they should have a higher level of trust. They've already bought from us previously. So again, aligning it as this is a channel that already has baked in trust that gets awareness within a new market. Oh, and by the way, if we were to use a tool like Crossbeam or Reveal, we can actually then tangibly see our target accounts live in these other customers, uh, or these other partners' databases. They are customers of our partners. And boom, we can run an account-based play actually using a partner channel. So again, are we getting in front of the right people with the right message at the right time, leveraging partners as a channel to distribute that message? 
I like that sound bite that last uh that last couple sentences there that was great sound bite we'll clip that uh gory uh any comments on that and I think we can summarize this whole discussion um with a uh I think a ca- tracking and accountability for this and I think the the preface to that is many of this these relationships whether it's with a partner or with another team lead fail because you just kind of casually approach it and you just say, hey, Matt, I saw you're doing this. I'd love to do something like that. Let's set a time. And then he gets to the meeting and there's not really an agenda. And then they leave the meeting with just one next step. They didn't really hash out exactly what you, you mentioned, a business plan. So I'm thinking something mm-hmm. in between a business plan and just a casual conversation. We call it a partner memorandum when it's between partners. It's just who are you to us and who am I to you? What are we doing together this quarter? Um, what is the cadence of meetings? Who am, who's my point of contact for what, what shared systems are we in? Are we communicating through your Slack or my Slack or both, um, or email and, uh, just, just saying here's what it is and getting that document, um, into both of our folders, just so we know what's going on. Something along those lines for marketing lead and partner lead. How can we just make sure that this relationship that we're creating and making sure that I'm a positive aspect of your day and you look at my name coming into your calendar and you're not upset when you see that happen, you're happy. You're like, oh, Alex is coming into the calendar today. We get to talk about partnerships. Yay. That was sarcastic, but you know, like a not sarcastic version of that. I get it. I get it. I I think there's a few things, right? So I think like how marketing and partnerships is measured, has been measured in the past is probably wrong, right? And, you know, marketing to me, because we always had that discussion, is it a marketing lead or is it a partner qualified opportunity? Like, which came first. And I, I don't see that's the role of marketing. Like marketing does more than that, right? Like how do you actually measure brand awareness? That's hard. So it's more of like creating a synergy between the two because they feed each other. Um, and I think also the marketing, at least in my experience, the marketing teams have realized that the partner teams have actually brought more of the customer references because they're through partners, um, which then also helps with further marketing and storytelling and helping other prospects actually um, want to work with a company. It's helped to drive uh, attendance to events. Uh, Partners actually bring most of the sponsorship to a lot of the events that marketing puts on. So there is so much that partnerships does to help marketing succeed, that to have different metrics doesn't make sense to me. And that's what usually happens. I don't necessarily think they should be fully overlapped, but there is a way to actually segment what marketing does and what partner does and actually have them um, collaborate with each other because you can't do one without the other. And so um, I don't know if that answered your questions, but that that's kind of what was going through my mind and how we've in the past like made that synergy work. Um, it, there's always going to be a little bit of, you know, we have different things to focus on, which marketing and partnerships should. But in my opinion, there should either be a shared metric 
or there should be a different way of measuring marketing and a different way of measuring partnerships to make it successful for the organization. And I do have a list of a ton of KPIs. I'm not going to go through them. Oh, no. right now, you have it on hand. Give it to me. I'll put it below the, uh, I'll put it below the, I can, yeah, I can send you some stuff that I have. Um, but that is the conversations that I've had with marketing in the past, right? With CMOs and with VPs of marketing. And at the end of the day, I've helped them succeed because our partners actually are doing so much and continuing the conversations and and bringing customers to a lot of things that even our own direct sellers and account management can't do. And so you should leverage those partners that way. And that's where you they become part of the organization and a extension of the organization and an advocate that actually supports the the success of marketing and product and sales. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, the OKR um, acronym comes up and we're the top-down uh, objective for the marketing team is maybe branding themselves on, on under this keyword. And underneath that keyword, there's iterations of that keyword that are searched. And then under those search terms, there's content that needs to be created by the marketing team to hit those search terms. Under each one of those search terms, there's a thought leader that is a solutions provider, CEO, or a blogger or YouTuber out there that is the expert like ABM. I would go to Mason, I'd say, hey, I'm demand based or something and I uh, need experts to talk about this. So it's not my head of content writing a blog post about ABM strategies, which is like, why would I read that? I wanna read what Mason has to say about ABM strategies. So as a growth marketer, I'm like, I don't get it because I'm, I would include third parties in everything I did. I didn't have an article on that carlys.com website that I wrote, not a single one. I had CFAs writing, I had accountants writing, I had car dealer CEOs writing on our blog. I didn't write a single one. I edited it. Sure. Maybe I did have a ghostwriter write a few and then I just put somebody else's name on it. But they told me they wanted that one. And it was it was a win-win. Either way, that's my point. So Mason, let's sign us off here. Uh, talk to those partnership teams out there that may be entering your calendar at some point as well, or maybe partner teams that you're already working with. Um, what would you say as a uh, final words of wisdom related to growth marketing and partnership team alignment? One of the best approaches to building an account-based marketing program is starting with a vertical-specific program. So when you think about a vertical it would be, we want to go after the manufacturing space. I think the exact same concept applies to a partner-specific ABM program. So instead of thinking about an entire industry vertical, how do I build an entire ABM program to close the customers of this dedicated partner? Because again, we've already developed that better together story. We already know that our services are complementary. We already have access to a high trust channel and we can easily get references and referrals. I think that is an incredible place to build an ABM program and to start your model because you're actually mitigating a lot of the challenges and the variables. So if you're a partnership person, understand account-based marketing just a little bit, not the full thing, and frame up, we want to build a go-to-market program that aligns marketing, sales, and partnerships by building an account-based program using the partner channel. Because again, you already know they're likely right fit. You have referrals. You have access to a high intent, high trust channel. It's just not being very well utilized. And especially as deals are getting harder to sell, the more you can lean into other people's trust, the more likely they are to close. So again, that would be my closing thought. 
Anything to add to that, Dory, or you want to sign us off? So I, so I agree with Mason, like trust, no matter what is going to be critical. Um, But I do think that some leadership and some ownership from partners, partner teams is important. And, And the energy that a partner leader, a partner manager, channel manager brings is, is so critical because that's, what's going to make it or break it. I would say that if anyone, you know, is looking to chat with me, needs help with strategy and execution, needs introductions, if I can be of any help to anybody, just hit me up on LinkedIn, um, reach out to me and I'm happy. You know, that's what I'm here for is to, to really help grow the next, um, group of partner leaders and, uh, tech leaders as well. I love it. And Mason, where can they go to find you and what's top of mind for you right now? Who are you looking to meet? Yeah. I mean, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can go to the Scrappy ABM podcast, which is kicking up new content in the next couple of weeks. Uh, You can go to scrappyabm.com. And if you scroll down a little bit, you'll actually not only see my face, but you'll see the wonderful Gari uh, also on the website. So if you are truly trying to figure out as a partner leader, what is the intersection of partnerships and ABM? Uh, that is a service that Scrappy ABM specifically offers. So again, uh, we can really help you build that marketing uh, partner-led motion. So that is what's top of mind for me. Love it, guys. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, We'll see you guys on the uh, interwebs. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out scrappyabm.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact Scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Mason Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.